Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast. And might I add, a special episode on the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And uh, today, we actually have the pod special for Andres, a.k.a. Andy, a.k.a. the new technical director of Chelsea Football Club for a day. So um, in case you guys didn't listen to the episode where I played DOF for a day, the lowdown is this. Andres is playing technical director of Chelsea Football Club under Todd Boyley's appointment. And um, he basically gets to sign, sell, bring back, loan, etc., etc., and tinker with the squad the way he wishes. So we're going to be covering a range of topics today from uh, what players he wants out, what player he wants to come in. Obviously, what system he wants to play, as well as, um, you know, any interesting transfer stories that are relevant at the moment. So, Andy, first of all, how does it feel to be the technical director of Chelsea Football Club? Uh, I'd like to thank everyone along the way who has believed in me, every former boss who has hired me to get me to this point today, and most importantly, uh, Mr. Bowley for giving me the opportunity to serve my club in the best way possible. It's very good to have you here on the podcast, Andres. We know we're one of the biggest Chelsea podcasts out there, so we're glad that you can cut a little bit of time for us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we're going to cut straight through the bullshit. Um, Let's just dive right into the uh, meat and potatoes. So we'll talk about the exits first. I do have a list of the current squad in front of me, Andres. So why don't you talk me through... Um, one, your philosophy in the in picking these exits, and two, go through each player that you would like to leave the club and why. Yeah, so I looked up every single player who is or the ending of their con- current contract. So going into this summer, players that are already leaving, whether you want to believe it or not, but Rudiger on a free, Christensen on a free, as much as we triggered Aspilicueta's contract, I still believe that we will let him leave for pennies. Saul, we will not trigger his uh, option to buy. And then a name that people forget, Charlie Musanda. He is finally out of contract, I guess. I don't see how Chelsea renews um, his time here when he's spent 90% of it injured. Wish him the best, but he's another one gone. So... Those are the ones that we have no choice but to let walk. It is what it is. That is three center backs leaving, one failed loan, and then one youth product that never quite could stay healthy. So, again, I'll just go straight into players that I'm going to sell. So, I'm in my philosophy, I'm getting rid of players first. I think long has this club been buying players and then not able to sell the players that, it, that have become Deadwood. So I've decided that, you know what, let's just sell players first. And I'm going to start with the obvious ones. Two that I don't really need to elaborate too much on, Kennedy and Barkley, both on the final year of their contract. Kennedy was brought back in January when he was supposed to get a new loan, and then he ended up staying. I don't think he's played more than three matches. And then Barkley, who was supposed to get a move last summer and has played twice all year under Tuchel, one in the FA Cup early on, and then this past week against Liverpool to take a penalty. So two appearances all here. Weird. Uh, hoping Villa will come back once again for Barkley. But again, those two guys just need to go. I'll take 
any sort of money for them. And the other one, to me, it's obvious. I know his form comes and goes, but it's Marcos Alonso. Uh, he is on the last year of his contract. He is getting up in age. And if anything shows, we need higher quality as our second left back or left wing back should chill well, take longer to, to recover from his ACL or, you know, if he should go down injured or needs just a break. So, so, so I had Marcus Alonso on my list too. Sorry to cut you off. Mm-hmm. I had him going for somewhere between eight to 10. What do you think he's going to go for? I think that's fair. I think he's on the last year in his contract. He's past his prime. He has the pedigree to go to a top club, but if a top club calls, we should not play hardball. We should take the offer that comes in. I think $10 million is is fair for uh, for a Marcos Alonso. Maybe you can get up to 15 if a Spanish club comes and gets him because he is, you know, Spanish citizen. You need a certain amount of Spanish players. But I will take anything below the $15 million mark. Weird enough that the Spanish interest is coming from Barcelona, Sevilla, and Atletico Madrid. Which, three very different clubs. Um, I think he doesn't fit the identity of any of them. Maybe Sevilla? Yeah, Maybe? I, I'm not sure. I mean, Barcelona loves to push their left backs forward, but they are never, you know, there to finish a play. They are there to create. Jordi Alba is there to cross the ball in. He is not there to score. I don't know yeah. if maybe Xavi is trying to add a second option there, maybe something different, but regardless... I, I don't know where he'll end up, and Barcelona's linked with half of the world anyway, so I don't know what the trust <laughs> for mm-hmm. that. Um, the next one, I have this under the category of, it's just one that makes perfect sense, and that's selling Kepa Ariza Balaga. Um, I think this season under Tuchel, he has shown that he is reliable. I think that he has taken kind of an introspective look into his own career and, and made some changes. And to me, there's no point in holding on to him on a, in a World Cup year where he can actually make a push if he plays well for the World, a World Cup spot. And I think that is his ambition. I think that, it, you know, Sari is still interested. I know there's interest in other clubs as well. And I just don't think that his stock will be higher than it ever than it is right now. I don't think we will ever get up to 70 million. And um, the longer we keep him, I think it's just going to be a detriment to both him and the value we have for the player. You touch on a really interesting point. He, you know, you mentioned that he's his stock, or he's rebuilt his stock essentially, mm-hmm. got his confidence back, clean sheets, solid performances, big saves in those performances. Yep. So here's the thing with Keppa. And I feel this way. I'm curious to see how you feel about it. To me, he is arguably the easiest player to market in this window. Not saying that we can recoup the 75 million fee we paid for him. <laughs> right. all, all I'm saying is that, you know, I had him going for somewhere between 30 to 35, which I think is more than fair considering his age and experience. But to me, going to Spain and going to Italy and marketing him to these clubs that do need goalkeepers shouldn't be too difficult. At least the face value. Um, I think here's the thing. I think that he's already shown he's a good shot stopper in Spain. And, and, and somewhere I read that Spanish keepers are trained differently to 
to do things in a little bit different way. And and now being in the Premier League, he really had to adapt and has maybe even for his level become a little bit more physical and maybe more comfortable with physicality. So again, just like Marcos Alonso, I think there's interest there. There's probably going to be interest in Spain. And then again, Maurizio Sarri and Lazio has been linked to him even before he gained his stock back. So I agree. I think that teams need a solid goalkeeper. And even if if you're not sure he's going to be number one, if you're not sure about your number one right now, you can bring him in as competition. Mm-hmm. And I think right now he's got the motivation to go out and earn himself a spot in the team. I don't think this is the Kepa that we saw under Lampard anymore. I think he has turned a page. That He went through like some mental stuff because of a breakup. Obviously, he wasn't playing well either. And then under Tuchel, he he had a little bit of belief from the manager, and and I mean he paid it he paid it in double. I mean he won his two shootouts under Tuchel. He played well while Mendy was at the Afcon, and and he wasn't making those bonehead mistakes anymore. And I think that was the big thing. So to me, I think twenty five, maybe on a good day we can get thirty million. Maybe we we can have Marina strong arm someone a little bit more on his price just mm-hmm. because he does still have plenty of years in his contract. Um, but yeah, I think he's a player with something to prove, and I think he'll even take a reduction in wages if he's promised game time. So he's one that I don't think the player's looking to stay, and I don't think it should be hard, like you said, to, to move as, as well. Um, now I want to move to three players that I call the hard decisions. I'll start with Timo Werner. Um, hard? The reason, I, the reason I say hard decision is because our striker position is just a kind of clusterfuck right now. I don't know if Tuchel's going to move away from Lukaku. I don't know if Kai Havertz is going to stay as a true number nine either. And... Timo caught a little bit of form, and I don't know if if that's something that turned Tuchel's eye. I personally think, just like Kepa, this is the time to move Timo. It is a World Cup year. His spot in the Germany national team is probably in jeopardy, and I think Timo himself has the ambition to be the number one choice at the number nine in Germany. And the Bundesliga knows that Timo Werner can score in that league. Like, Whatever's happened at the Barclays in the Premier League, I think is is separate of who he is when he steps foot in German soil. And he even said it himself, defenses play different. In the Bundesliga, teams have a philosophy of more going up and getting their goals and in high lines and all he of mentioned, that. He specifically mentioned the physicality and the pace of the center backs too. He's like, these guys right. are freaks. They're they're nowhere. <laughs> You know, they're way faster than the guys I was playing against in Germany, essentially. He didn't say that verbatim. Yeah. But but again, Germany, the Bundesliga, you watch a Bundesliga game and you can expect three goals from one side. And mm-hmm. if Timo succeeded before, I think the time in the Premier League maybe made him a little bit physically tougher, which can only make him an even bigger prospect from the Bundesliga. A league that has now lost Holland. It's about to lose Lewandowski and potentially going to lose Christopher and Kunku. So those are three teams that are going to need goals. And Timo Werner, German, has proven he can score there, probably getting him at a discount compared to what we paid for him. 
And as of today, reports came out that he wants to move too. So again, another player that wants to move, a player that we should look to move because of value. Um, transfer marked has him at 46.2 million. I think we can settle for something around 35. Um, another reason fair. why I was very uh, okay with selling him is his wages are close to 300,000 pounds a week. And again, I think Timo, if he has stated he wants to leave, he will also negotiate down his wages because he wants to go and play. Mm-hmm. Um, now the actual hard decision, and I know you had the same issue on yours, and it is this question of whether you keep Jorginho or N'Golo Conte. I do not see a future where we keep both, at least in my view. I think that Agreed. both players are officially past their prime. That is not saying that they're useless, but I believe that we can get more out of one player than the other. Now, the reasons why I have them both listed, they're both 30. They're both in the final year of their contract. Um, One thing that I put against Conte is that he almost makes 300,000 pounds per week. And one thing that's more obvious than what I put in Jorginho, his lack thereof and athleticism can limit what the team can do um, tactics-wise. Now... Another thing I don't like about Jorginho is the fact that his agent likes to chirp about a return to to Italy. And I think that that's disruptive. I think that that is something that is inevitable to get to the locker room. And if he's supposed to be a leader here, I want my leaders to be fully committed. So I've made the choice that you sell Jorginho. You sell him to Juventus, whoever wants him back into Syria. Uh, Juventus is clearing out wages with Dybala leaving. Um, They're on the verge of bringing Pogba in potentially. So it'll be interesting to keep your eye on that space. Pogba is a free transfer, totally different profile. They play a back three. You know, Jorginho can be what they had in Pirlo before. Um, Another wage moving out of that team is Chiellini. Alexandro Uh, as well. (laughs) And Dybala. I mentioned Dybala's gone. He was crying today after his final match. So to me, I think Jorginho should probably be someone, if we get a Syria offer of $40 million or more, no questions asked. Final year of his contract, he's going to want big wages at Chelsea, and I just don't see us getting the same level of productivity that we got in 2020 uh, moving forward with this team. I have my personal qualms against him. I do believe he doesn't pass the ball forward enough. And in the Premier League, I think our lack of directness has cost us in how we create chances and how quickly we move the ball up the pitch to catch teams off off guard. Now, Conte, I'm keeping. I'll talk about how I think his role will change. But I think it is something you still have to consider just based on the fact that he has only started 53% of the matches in the Premier League this year due to injury. And that's a a bit scary when he's supposed to be the engine of the midfield. Yeah, it seemed like he hardly missed a game when, you know, in his first five years here, essentially. He was basically a shoe-in, night in and night out to play 90 minutes. Um, Going back to your uh, Jorginho thing, Andres, just something I wanted to mention 
it's interesting that we're still mentioning a guy like him being in the squad, you know, after being a square pig in a round hole for such a long time. Um, I do think that we can get more than 30 for him, though. I feel like we could get closer to 50, 55, potentially, just based on his current accolade. And, and I said this maybe 10 times in my pod, but 35 is the new 30. Yeah. So that means 30 is the new 25. Especially if you're and, and I think his his longevity goes way up in Italy. Yeah. Like I think his career in England has a year or two tops, and it's not even at the level of of play that we've forced him to have this season, um, in terms of how many matches. So yeah, in, in terms of sales, I'm selling to give you a recap, Marcos Alonso, Kennedy and Barkley, Keppa, Jorginho, and Timo Werner for sure. I don't have him listed here uh, because I'm I'm really unsure about what the club is going to do with him. But if Romelu Lukaku, I think it's not someone that you're going to force to move. But I think that if an attractive offer comes, you need to um, just keep your eyes up on it. Ronaldo and Ten Hag have apparently both agreed that he's going to stay at Man United. And PSG is within a day or two away from losing Mbappe. There's also rumors. I don't think Conte ends up at PSG anymore because Spurs are looking like they're going to get fourth place in the Premier League, which hurts our chance of moving Lukaku. But should a big offer come, I think it's going to be something to consider. Um, based on Bayern how I'm setting striker. up, we'll get to Bayern situation here in a second as well. So Lukaku again, I think it's a, it's a. Let's see what comes our way and 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 analyze what that offer is. These the players I mentioned are the players that we should be actively pitching to clubs. So a hundred million for Lukaku last year. What does he go for this summer if we get an offer? What what's considered a suitable offer for technical director Andres? If we get something anywhere above 70, I think you don't you have to like look at it and talk to yeah. the player as well and, and just kind of be like, look. This kind of hasn't worked out. Do you want to give it a go or do you want to go elsewhere? Because I don't want another interview. I don't want another agent comment. Like those sort of things I'm trying to get rid of. There is a lot of things that we use, we uh, hide underneath the rug kind of thing. And and players who are not in 100% is, is one of those. So I think if anything comes 70 million or above, we have to talk about it. I do want to point out, I think Tuchel taking him off uh and not letting him play the full 120 minutes in the cup final said something yeah um yeah he didn't look like he could go anymore which sucks because after he was removed not that he was being very influential at that point but there was just no direction from the the forwards Mm -hmm. at that point um i do agree that if the manager fully trusts in you even if you look a little tired you he would want you to put out a, one more moment of magic and a striker of his believe quality. you leave him out there for that one half chance right and you he know. didn't believe that that was going to come in that match so that's a good point um and i'll get to that again why i think like if an offer comes why we should listen but so is that, um are those all right. your sales those like are my sales. key players okay so Let's move on then. I mean, because we. Uh, have... I mean, there's others like Emerson. I don't think Emerson comes back. I think Emerson's yeah. tri- uh, loan at Lyon gets triggered. Um, but those are first team players 
let me just, just look through it again. I mean, I'm not counting Rudiger. I'm not counting Christensen. I'm not counting Aspilicueta because I do believe they're already gone. Mm-hmm. And Zawul as well. So, so on top of all of that, you're selling one one striker, potentially two, a fullback mm-hmm. slash wingback, a goalkeeper, mm-hmm. two, uh, one central midfielder, and two squad players in Kennedy and Ross Barkley. Correct. Okay. So let's talk about some of the low knees then before we get into the purchases. Yeah. Um, which which low knees are you bringing back and why? So there's two low knees that immediately get added to the first team, no questions asked, and they will be immediately become second options, if not players that can grow into a starter role. And that's Connor Gallagher, who recently became Crystal Palace's team uh, player of the season uh, at center mid, and Levi Colwell who just earned himself a spot in the finals of the championship playoff today mm-hmm. with uh, Huddersfield uh, to play on the left side of the back line uh, as a center back. So I think those two players immediately, immediately have a locked spot in this new look Chelsea. Um, then there's three other names that I think you bring in um, to, to give a fair chance to make the team. And I'll put it in a, in a rank from most likely to least likely. Broja uh, from Southampton, Ampadu from Venezia, and Gilmore back from Norwich. And in that same order, I think it's a likelihood that the players stay. I think Broja has had a successful season. Again, because of what I'm going to say about how I'm going to deploy this team, I think he has a good chance of making it, whether that's as a third option or second option, to be determined. And then uh, Ampadu versatile, can play center back, can play center mid. I would be bringing him back to play in the midfield. And then Billy Gilmore, I still think there's a great player in there. My my issues with Jorginho, I think Billy Gilmore in the same profile has the answers to those issues. The directness with the passing forward, the physicality, the athleticism, those are things that I think Jorginho lacks that Billy Gilmore actually has. He's just more of a raw player. So um, let me yeah, give you a right. hypothetical then, just kind of bouncing off of those loanies that you gave me. Mm-hmm. Um, you said Broja will be given his chance. Is that assuming that Lukaku stays or goes? And then if Lukaku stays, what do you do with Broja? If Lukaku goes, what do you do? Regardless, with I think Broja gets a chance. I think okay. you. I think he ends up. I think he realistically ends up on this team. Um, and, and again, I'll kind of get to that in the tactics as to why. He can either be the number two. He's like a number two slash third option because at the end of the day, whoever ends up as our striker plus Kai Havertz who can play striker are probably going to be your one and two. And then Broja would be number two slash three because Kai can also be behind the striker or beside the striker. Mm-hmm. So I think Broja, even though he's third in the pecking order, can get second string minutes so i, I think, think broja will end up staying i think if, if lukaku leaves and we and we get left without a sort of recognized natural number nine i guess because i'm not going to mm-hmm. count kai havertz as a natural recognized number nine i think he can i think he could fight his way into into the starting 11 um in the league at least you know i think he definitely has a talent to do it but it is it is an interesting space to keep your eye on because again if he does make the squad and doesn't get that much playing time, it might not be the best choice for his development. And a player like him with the ceiling like he has in terms of what he showed us at Southampton this year, mm-hmm. all signs are pointing to Diego Costa 2.0. Yeah, so and, I think and it's the thing really is important he, that we make the right decision on him. So 
And the worry is that we've seen other youth players have their head turned from teams that fall in love with them and not even consider fighting at Chelsea. So again, if that even becomes an issue, I don't want a guy that has his one foot out the door. Like, I really don't want that in a squad. But I do believe Broja wants to make it here. And again, I think he's almost like a second striker if you're mm-hmm. bringing it. Like, I, I don't think he truly would be like a Loic Remy of the past where he plays one every seven games. Like, I don't think that would be the situation with an Armando Broja. Yeah. But um, even with the low knees, this leaves us needing one, maybe two center backs, one midfielder, potentially a six of starter quality. Wing back cover on both sides and striker cover. Um, so, so that's what I'm targeting in this transfer window. So transfer window, we'll start from back to front. Um, take it away. So center backs, the need is is pretty clear. We lost Rudiger, we lost flexible cover in Christensen, and we lost the in case of emergency flexible cover in Aspie. So there's one name that's a must, and I think will happen within as long as this stupid sale gets formalized by the UK government, and that's Jules, Jules Koundé. It was supposed to be done in January. Koundé wants the Chelsea move. He is the top center back in terms of forward progress, passing and dribbles in La Liga. Um, he apparently has said goodbye to his teammates. Uh, and transfer marked has him valued at $66 million. Um, I believe... Because he's looking to force his move out, you can get him for around 50 million, 50, 60 million tops. And I think that this is a guy that for sure has to happen, and and you want to get this move done quicker rather than waiting and lingering. Um, Sevilla knows that we're going to have to have a center back, so don't play hardball. He wants it, we want it, get it done. I think something I like about this move is the fact that he asked for the move last year, didn't Mm -hmm. get it. Everybody knew about it. It was public. He even admitted it. But then he still was professional enough to play for Sevilla at an extremely high level this season. Again, one of the best center backs in in Europe. I'm only saying that so uh, Andreas Christensen could hear it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, I think he fits the profile perfectly, especially if we stick with a back three. But he can also play on that right side of defense, which is something that I absolutely love. I think Tuchel's going to try and build this team with some sort of... He he likes players that are versatile, and, and, and Koundé fits that profile. He could play all across the back line. So yeah. I like that move. I think it's going to happen, too. I think every Chelsea yeah. fan does. I think that, that this one's the, the one obvious name that it's kind of like when Leroy Sané ended up at Bayern. It's the yeah. world's worst-kept secret. Yeah. Now, so the other but, center back is, is interesting because I know everybody has different opinions. So who fills your other center back role? Well, I think it's time to have a natural left-sided center back. I know that Rudiger was fantastic on on the left for us, but it's time to just have a natural player that can do either the four or the three. Uh, I'm going to pitch two names, and then I'll tell you where I'll go from there. The first one is Kaladu Koulibaly. Uh, We've heard this name plenty of times before. He's had kind of like a love-hate relationship with Napoli the last four years, and at one point... He was supposed to come to the Premier League, whether it was to us or Liverpool, and uh, De Laurentiis said, basically, fuck off. Um, He is now at the final year of his contract. Uh, The player currently does want to leave Napoli. I think his links to Mendy in the Senegal national team 
and and seeing where Chelsea's at right now, I think that's a very um, it would be easy to tempt him to come here. And I think he immediately adds leadership and presence to what will become a very young back line outside of Thiago Silva. Um, I believe that Thiago Silva is 37 and the next youngest center back we would have left is in his mid-20s. And if it's Kunde, he doesn't even have Premier League experience yet. So captain of the Senegal national team, he actually captained. And he didn't captain Napoli. He was one of the co-captains because it was always Insigne. But he was part of the teams that almost took down the Juventus kind of mon- monopoly in Syria. They were, I believe, one point shy from winning the Serie A one year. And he can play on the left side. I think it, I don't have to really speak on this guy. Everybody knows who Kadu Koulibaly is. He's probably um, the most ready-made option out there. Yes, I think that he steps right in. And we you mentioned it earlier. I don't think that you need to sign this guy to be here for five years. I think that much like Thiago Silva, this is a guy that can quickly make fans fall in love with him and he can quickly fall in love with his club and we'll take it one year at a time. I think his leadership and what he can teach our future players is much more important than signing him to an expensive long-term contract. Mm -hmm. Um, Option two, and this is like the the fun FIFA-esque hot name right now, is uh, Josko Gavardio, 20 years old, already rated as the best center back in the Bundesliga, can play center back in a back four, can play left center back in a back three, and has even played left wing back at Leipzig. Um, In 29 appearances, he's uh, got two goals and two assists to his name. Uh, He has incredible pace. He is a very good and big physical presence. And his passing numbers are really good in terms of progressive passing and completions. Um, transfer mark has him really low rated at 33 mil, but I don't think those are updated due to performance. I think it's just the fact that he's on a young player and he just got to Leipzig this year. So I think that realistically you would have to shell out anywhere between 60 and 80 million because of the, the buzz. He has a long contract and yeah, I think like, if your names are if your name is trending, that adds at least twenty more mil than what you're actually rated. Now, I think Gavardio is going to be a fantastic defender someday. I think that you know he is a name that we will continue to hear in the future. I don't think he's moving anywhere this summer. To be completely honest, I don't see Leipzig selling their best center back for the fourth year in a row. And I think that we would make a smarter money choice by getting Koulibaly in, bringing his experience, bringing his leadership, which we will be losing a lot of already. And that is a second perfect example to not only teach Chalaba and Colwell, but to help Koundé adapt to a new league um, in, in the Premier League. I don't think Koulibaly needs the time to adapt because he's already arguably the most physical defender in Syria. So I'm going with Koulibaly as my second center back signing along with Kunde. All right, so we got Koulibaly, Kunde uh, coming into center back. Let's move on to the fullbacks slash wingbacks. Um, so, yeah, this one's important because we had zero cover this year. 
you can argue Marcus Alonso had a handful of good games, but we don't. We at one point had Malong Sar playing at fullback. Felicic for the longest time was forced into wingback. So ACL injuries are nothing to mess around with. I think that you still have to treat Chilwell carefully this offseason. We're selling Alonzo. And Reese James can't play every single second of football. I don't think that that's how you maintain uh, high-level performances across a potentially 60-match season, which is what we're probably aiming at doing year in and year out now if we are to compare ourselves to Liverpool and City. So two dream signings in this department for me. Number one, it's even reported right now, but it's Ivan Perisic. Why? He's free. He just won Inter's player of the season. He brings experience once again. He can cover both sides of the back line. And at age 33, he started 33 times for Inter, seven goals and six assists from wingback, which is fantastic uh, production from a defensive position. Perisic can also cover if we go with, with wingers, if we want to go defensive. And I think, again, you need to breed. This team has young players that have felt success, but I think you need to always have a veteran presence that's just going to bring calm. I think Perisic fits the the profile of fullback slash wingback that we want. He is forward thinking. He is comfortable in the final third, but he's not going to be lazy when it comes to defending either. So I think on a free transfer, Perisic, who has proven that it's not just in Italy, but also in the Bundesliga with Bayern, this guy is adaptable, this guy is fierce, and again, he's free. We banked on our last free transfer with with Thiago Silva. I think that the fact that he's two-footed is something we can't pass up on. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's an experienced name. Um and honestly, I wouldn't complain if we pulled it off, especially, again, if we're sticking with that back three. Um, what about some other options or names at that position that kind of yeah. tickle your fancy? This one, I think, will be a little bit tougher. And it is Brighton's player of the year in Mark Cucurella, or Cucurella, if, depending on how, where, what part of Spain he's from. Uh, 23 years old. He completely was a nightmare for us both times we played Brighton this season. He has played both at left wing back and left center back. And I must say that he was extremely proficient at both. Uh, He is only one year into his contract. So I think that the 22 million valuation on transfer marked is going to be low. But Cucurella is prem proven. He is extremely physical for a player that came originally from Spain. And you preach Tuchel wanting flexibility. This guy can drop back at center back, or he can be a flying fullback who is, again, going to put in the hard work defensively. So I think Cucurella is a, a good shout, and it's something, it's something more of like you want to test Brighton's um, point. Uh, what's the word here? Like you want to test to see if they'll – Yeah, the result. Thank you. To see if this is somebody you would get. And – with Cucurella, I love Ben Chilwell. Love him to bits. ACLs are tricky, and that's my concern. I don't think we should just go ahead and get a guy that will never be better than Ben Chilwell. 
I think we need to kind of play our cards close, you know, kind of keep an ace under our sleeve and have a player that could have the potential of, of you know, maybe being even better than a Ben Chilwell. I'm not saying that he's better or that he will be better, but hey, one year in, he looks pretty solid. And um, yeah, I would say Cucurella would easily be his backup up front, but should something happen, I would feel comfortable with him starting a lot of games should Chilwell remain uh, out. I think I think it's going to be important to rotate Chilwell a lot, especially you know in the beginning of the season. He's mm-hmm. coming off of that injury, like you said. You don't want him playing two or three matches in a row all the time. So you do want to bring someone in that has the right skill level to sort of keep the team firing on all cylinders, which is something Perisic can do in all fairness to him as well. Right. But to your point, and this is where my philosophy and your philosophy differ a little bit, you would you would go heavier on the left wing back in terms of spending just the lockdown a genuine competition for Chilwell in the long run, right? You want a guy um, that can potentially yeah, compete going, with him I'm for that starting little, spot? I mean, again, this is – I would test the resolve. Mm-hmm. I think that you you have to go into this negotiation with a, a, a ceiling of what you'll pay. Like, you have to. I, I don't think we get into this back and forth and try to negotiate it for months. If the price that we put down for Cucurella being somewhere between 30 $35 max – isn't enough you move on which is why i give two more options here i have first off borna sosa uh 24 year old croatian slash german left wing back um he has one goal and eight assists at left wing back this season and he completes 2.5 crosses per game which is the third best in the bundesliga which, for reference, Alonso only completes 1.2 crosses per game in the Premier League. So, um, again, this is more of a a project. Again, I think that he will be better than Alonso sooner rather than later. Um, I think this is a player that would be okay with playing second fiddle to to Chilwell, and I don't think you have to pay more than 25 30, to maybe 30 million for the guy. Um, I know we were linked to him semi-seriously back in January um, because of the fact that at 24, he's not a household name. I think that this is kind of like how Liverpool signed Samikas, right? A guy that will be okay with being a backup. A guy that will be okay with getting a decent amount of minutes at Chelsea. And if he balls, you can profit on him. Interesting. This other name is a name that I adore <laughs> and would love. But now this one is just a this one's definitely a pipe dream. Yeah. But it would make sense. Again, you test the resolve, and this is Sergino Dest. Um 21 year old American, plays for Barcelona, can cover both sides of the pitch at wing back, can cover both sides of the pitch at winger slash midfielder. And I mean We've seen him play at Barcelona and th- at right back. We've seen him play in a wing back system. We've seen him play right winger as a, in a while, uh, for a while under Koeman. And he has taken the challenge to earn his place under multiple managers uh, very well. And even right now, he says he's happy and he's looking to, you know, earn, continue to earn Xavi's respect. 
But for us, it would make sense. He is extremely uh, confident in his dribbling. He is very good positionally on the attack. And in terms of uh, progressive carries, he's in the 96th percentile uh, for all fullbacks, while Alonso is on the 65th percentile. So, again, Alonso, if you're tired of Alonso's backwards dribbles, backwards passes, um, this is somebody that would be giving the back line a much more um, easy decision when passing the ball to his feet. Now, another positive for Dest is that business-wise, he's 21 years old, so in two, three years' time, if he wants to get first-team minutes and he hasn't earned them here, easy profit, easy profit. His value is only going to go up. He is going to be a starter in this upcoming World Cup, and I think that his his stock is only starting to go up. He's He cost Barcelona $25 million when he arrived. I think we can get him for... Depends. Again, Barcelona has a lot of wage bills to move here and there. If Xavi sees him in his plan, I don't think we'll get him. But if he's willing to listen, no more. Like 40 million worst case could get you Sergino Dest. Mm. So, now, that's, so that's the pipe dream. What's, yeah, what's going to happen? That the one that's like, oh man, if we pull that off, it would be great business. No, no, I'm saying which which ones are you going with? So I think that for sure we get Perisic. Okay. I think you try your best to get Cucurella. Again, you keep you keep your your price there though. Like I don't you do not keep you do not get into like a bidding war with Brighton to get him. If they don't want to listen, you move on. And here's the thing, Sergino Dest again, you test the resolve. And then Borna Sosa, the thing with him is it would have to be like Tuchel would have to come into my office and tell me he's the guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so confidently I'm getting Parisage. I would be comfortable with not signing someone else if it means that Ian Motson and Dujon Sterling somehow prove that they're worthy of a backup role. I think that, you know, we've we've but had luck before. I think um, that's a bit, of, I think that could be a little bit of a stretch in terms of Sterling. Definitely I mean, Chalava was never supposed to be on this team, and he worked his way into the starting 11. Nobody had Chalava in their roster. I think yeah. that a good summer in the camp, I mean, Matson's technically supposed to win player of the season uh, where he is. Uh, Dujon Sterling at one point almost stayed last season in this team as well. I think it's just one of those things where they will be more likely to listen to instruction and to keep things simple. Um, they've been in Cobham, so they know what's expected kind of thing. It's just a way of saving money because I still have a lot of players to get through. So I, I'm for sure signing Perisic but, I, Perisic, but I am testing the resolve in both Sergino Dest and Marco Correa. So for everyone wondering why Andres is okay signing a left wing back or a right wing back on top of it, it's because Perisic is two-footed. He could play on either side. Yes, just for he, yeah. he played on both sides uh, at both Bayern and entered this, entered this season. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we have our defense wrapped up. Yep. We sold one center mid. Um, what are we going to do to replace them or that? So center mid is a little bit tough because you need to have the right fit. You need to 
this is where it can get a little bit more expensive availability of the player, et cetera. So I think you can't cut corners here. I think you need a, an athletic, a physical and a progressive center mid who can fill that role clearly. Like this is not a square peg in a round hole by any means. And I firmly believe the moment we get a player of of this caliber and, and this kind of mold, we will see our offense thrive far more than we've seen so far. And it'll allow Tuchel to be a little bit less, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? He currently deploys a system that minimizes mistakes rather than forcing the other team to adapt to what we do offensively. So yeah. we don't take risks, therefore we don't c- create the the sort of chances that your cities make and that your Liverpools make because we are never trying passes quickly and more directly um, than I believe that we should be doing. Um, to give you an idea, I believe it was under Mourinho in his first stint. It took an average of 5.6 seconds the moment Chelsea won the ball back to put it in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. 5.6 seconds is how quickly Mourinho would make that team move the ball forward. And sometimes I think that our possession is great getting into the final third, and then it dies. There is no creativity because we are too afraid of losing the ball and leaving ourselves open for a counterattack. So the profile you're going for is... What exactly? Describe it. I mean, there's two names that fit it right away, and that's Declan Rice and Aureli and Schumann. I mean, it, it, there is no two other names. You have to get one or the other here. Um, we've heard about Declan Rice forever now. He dreams of Chelsea. He's been captaining West Ham at the age of 23. He is best friends with Mason Mount, which obviously helps. He is very close to John Terry as one of his like role models. The, the connections to Chelsea are, are left and right. And West Ham was eliminated from the Europa League. Therefore, there is no chance of Champions League for him yet again while he watches that same generation of English players compete at the highest levels across Europe. I think that he is a, a name Southgate wants to have in his national team all the time. And if he's not going to be playing high caliber matches, that's something that can deter an international manager. I just think that Declan Rice is ready for his next move. So while West Ham claims 150 million is what it will take to get Declan Rice, I think that Declan can be very respectful in his request to leave and we can get him somewhere below 100 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does Declan Rice bring you? He brings you a guy that will protect the back line. He brings you a guy that surprisingly is comfortable with his dribbling. And you have a guy that can do both the covering of the back line as well as press high up the pitch. So you are not lacking versatility or, or dimensions from him at center mid. And he is an incredible uh, locker room or dressing room player. Yeah, he, he would be a leader even though he's young, but he would also be able to keep things light because he's kind of a bit of a goofball at times as well. Yeah. Um, now... One thing about Aurelien and Schumann that is a little bit different, he's a little bit more box-to-box, um, more like N'Golo Conte. He's not quite a true DM, although he's got the, the traits to potentially be there. 
Um, he's got N'Golo-like numbers for the league on. His dribbling stats are outstanding. Um, the difference here is, is that while Declan, we may be the only horse in that race, Shomeni has fans in Madrid and Liverpool, who, depending on who you ask, may be more likely um, desired destinations for the guy. Um, he can look towards Real Madrid and see how Kamavinga was key in their in, in Madrid's progression to the final of the Champions League, and they have an aging midfield. Or he can look into Liverpool and say the same thing. Henderson is limited. Milner is 56 years old. Like, there's a chance to get into that midfield and play alongside someone like Thiago or, or even Fabinho, which terrifies nice. me. Yeah, it's Fucking nice. terrifies so, me. Those two guys would be the dream. Those two guys are the two top names that you should be going for. Uh, but there is two other names that I think that are worth mentioning. Um, Ibrahim Sangare from PSV, 24 years old, uh, reportedly only 30 million compared to the very expensive first two names I said. Um, he is the most stereotypical DM out of the names I've listed so far. Um, he is going to be sitting back, protecting, being physical. And uh, he is definitely the most imposing of all the targets I've mentioned. He's six foot, 370 pounds. And this doesn't slow him down either. So this is a big boy to protect our back line and to protect our more forward-thinking midfielders. At 30 million, I think that this is a guy that could be a steal. And again, maybe depending on, on what the loan is, show or don't show too cool, this can even be a backup that you sign. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have to be um, right away a starter. Same thing for this other name I'm bringing in is Bubakar Kamara from Marseille. Um, the reasons why I'm bringing him into the equation in this discussion, two things primarily, three things primarily. Number one, he's free. Contract is up. I don't know how a 22-year-old is on a free contract at this point, but the guy can play with that upside. What's that? With that upside. It's shocking. Right. Right. So, again, center mid, can play defensive mid, can play center back um, in a back three. So, flexible, 22 years old. His offensive numbers aren't crazy, but I think on a free, again, this is where you're allowed to take risks. Um, and, again, he would only be an option in my book if Tuchel doesn't believe Ampadu can fill that same role. I would give Ampadu more chance than getting a, a guy that's never stepped foot into the Premier League. But again, he's free. He's 22. I think it's worth mentioning. And um, so strictly defensive-minded midfielders, Andres, that means that you're more than happy with our uh, attacking mids in terms of Connor Gallagher coming back, Mason Mount, Kovacic, RLC. Uh, yeah, I, I'll talk about why in a little bit. Um, but yes, I don't think we need to add a a number eight. That's more forward thinking. I think we just need to change our midfield acts when they're on the ball. I don't think the issue is that they're not um, offensive minded enough. I think it's just pacing and 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 what they do when we receive the ball or what they don't do when we don't have the ball. Um, I think I think it's more. I mean, I agree with you in a sense, but I do think it's more defensive for me. I, I think the whole midfield just needs to be 
reconstructed in a way where we can have one purely defensive-minded player who could drop back yeah. and create a back-four scenario. So Reese James could basically play right mid like Trent does against exactly. all the smaller teams. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's and, the- and and I'll get and again I'll get to all my tactics when I tell you my beautiful starting eleven and such. But right. um, so we have so again I think next. here yeah attackers. So in terms of who joins the front three. The need to, for me is more about system and how players will fit into it. So first and foremost, you go out and you get it Usman Dembele on a free. I, I don't care about his injury record because he's free. I think that his, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? His profile and how people view him in world football has been tarnished during his time in Barcelona because of the injuries, people doubting his professionalism. And, you know, people are like, oh, he's not serious enough, blah, blah, blah. Tuchel loves this dude. Tuchel created this dude at Dortmund. Tuchel made him what he was worth when Barcelona bought him. And in a third, uh, with maybe two-thirds of game time this season, he leads La Liga in assists. He is a true right winger, which right now we only have one. Um, he is only... Actually, he has more assists than Benzema, whose assist numbers are ridiculous. He is completely two-footed. Um, I'm going to cut you again, off for a sec. He actually that? didn't even play two-thirds of the season. He played 20 matches out of a 38-match season, so barely a half there a season, go. and he's already leading Slightly the over half. Yeah. And and again, he was out of favor, like not playing starting minutes either. Like, yeah, the, the point is the dude is a monster when he's healthy. I think more than ever, he is hungry to, to bring his stock back up. At one point, he was supposed to be in that same ilk as Mbappe and, and Holland now. And, and I think that, you know, are you taking a risk with his injury record? Sure. But at the same time, I think we still have plenty of wingers that if he does have some sort of injury here or there, that's a risk you're willing to take. Mm-hmm. He wants Tuchel, Tuchel wants him, and he brings more of a complete package as a winger than what we have in our current squad. And did I mention he's free? Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, and and to me, go ahead. let's keep in mind, this is a guy that if he does stay relatively healthy and does get consistent game time, he could be the reason why Mbappe starts playing center forward for the French national team because he could he could force his way into it. He's exactly. that good. Yeah. And that's my point. That's another guy that wants to be in a high-profile scenario where he is trusted with the minutes and, and he has to play at a high level to make that World Cup team. I don't think that half a season at Barcelona will get him there based on the fact that France is stacked. I think that he needs to go into the fall – still doing that and there's a reason he hasn't signed a new deal at barcelona who have you turned and tried to offer in the world mm-hmm. i think that we are that reason so i think you go out and get usman dembele on a free you have to yeah um he's the only winger i'm even considering at this point uh then there's a striker and this one's tough i don't know what profile we are searching for is it more of a poacher? Is it more of a false nine? 
We've seen Kai make the team click better as a false nine, but then recently Lukaku as a more direct nine has played well as well. But when a name like Robert Lewandowski is even an option, you have to try. Mm. You have to. Uh, Bayern say that he's contracted for another year, but Lewandowski is saying he's done. He's not playing anymore. The man has led the the world, I believe, in scoring the past three seasons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you need any reason to believe that he's good, he has scored, I believe, um, over 90% of his goals have come inside the box, which is where we struggle to finish. Oh, and he could hit them from outside the box. Don't get it twisted either. We don't need him to do that if he gets yeah, himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm just right? saying. I, I, I'm yeah. just kind of adding to the to the myth that Robert Lewandowski is because he's he is a mythical figure in world football based on what he's achieved so far. He should have yeah. a Ballon d'Or under his belt too. Sorry. Right. Take it away. <laughs> no, you're good. I think that if you're selling Lukaku, this is a name you have to go for. I think Barcelona is talking up a big game, but the Spotify money can only take them so far. Um, I read somewhere that, you know, while they can pay what Lewandowski thinks is a good enough transfer, I don't think they can pay the wages. Um, to, to remind everyone, Barcelona also has brought in a bunch of names this past January. Um, they don't know what they're doing with Adama Traore yet. They signed Ferran Torres. Aubameyang's not going to play for free for the rest of his life. They need to give new deals to to some of their players still. And, um, yeah, I just think you you kind of go in, you put your name in the hat when someone like Lewandowski is available. Who's the other striker? What are Um, the other options? He's he's not truly a striker. He would be more if we want to go through that fluid front three, false nine, and that's uh, Christopher Nkunku. Mm. Um, mm. I like that one. <laughs> so, I mean, the guy's the Bundesliga Player of the Year. I believe that that's already official. Mm-hmm. He this season between the Bundesliga and European competitions and all that, he's got almost fifty goals contributed between goals and assists. I know that the Bundesliga and Europa tax exists. I understand that Timo Werner at one point had crazy goal output. But Thomas Tuchel has put the seal of approval on this guy. Um, Again, I think that the thing keeping me from believing this one is possible is who's who's our striker? Like, is Lukaku still here? Is Kai Havertz only going to be deployed as a false nine? And I can't see us signing a guy who is a hundred percent starter quality to split time with the two other guys. And that's my main concern that sure we have the money to sign him, but it, are we presenting a plan, a, a concrete enough plan to bring him on and still give him the amount of minutes that he would want once again, going into a world cup and finally getting a call up to the national team. Um, those are the only two names I have on my list for strikers. I do not believe we should go for Darwin Nunez. I don't believe that going for an unproven 
player is the solution at this point where when the identity of what this team is supposed to be does not exist. I think we're still very much molded clay. It's, it's, it's just, we're not, we don't know what we are yet. Um, and after what's been a crazy year, I think this is going to be the first year to lay a foundation for Thomas Tuchel and what his real vision is at Chelsea. So I'm not falling for any of these young guys with potential in the 60 plus million um, ranges like Darwin Nunez. All right. So in total, we have Kunde Koulibaly, Declan Rice, Usman Dembele, Ivan Perisic. Yep. Which you noted is around 220 million, give or take. And that's not net. That's just spending. Yeah. Yeah, that's just spent. So, honestly, I, look, it's a bit different from my list. I'll use this opportunity to plug my podcast, which you guys should listen to also, <laughs> just so you can see how my philosophy differs a little bit from Andres's. But I think we're both arriving at the same verdict while I'm looking at your list here, Andres, because the the, the profile of players that you're trying to bring in are – I mean, it, it, it isn't just – bulking the squad i mean we're adding potential world-class talent to the squad so if we do want to compete with the man cities you got to have 100 million pound players sitting on the bench don't you i think we're i think we're on our way um so let's talk about the squad and the system then um yeah just to go through that list again i'll read it one more time before we talk about it kunde Kulabali, rice dembele perisic um, what system do you want to play and what is going to be the type of football that we're going to see? Uh, yeah. So, um, first off, I also want to say that I have listed as a luxury signing Christian Erickson. If Tuchel finds it fitting, we had Cesc Fabregas at one point as a luxury signing and he under Conte was like the super sub for assists. And I think, Erickson has proven that his heart is healthy and that he can battle in the Premier League yet again while playing with Brentford. And I don't think that anyone's passing in our team compares anywhere to Erickson's. Therefore, if he's considering a move away from Brentford, he would be on a free as well. And he would get some Champions League minutes because as of today, we clinched Champions League. So just a thought. I wouldn't be disappointed if we miss out on him, but at the same time, I would like to be linked to him. But um, squad, I the the beauty of the team that I've built is that should Tuchel decide to stick to what he's doing, he can do it. I'll briefly say what he could do with a three four three or the three four one two, even though that is not what I hope happens. So in the three four three, he can still deploy Mendy in goal, Kunde, Silva, and Koulibaly as a back three. Uh, Reese James, Kovacic, Rice, and Chilwell as the midfields and wingbacks, and a front three of Mount, Kai, and Pulisic. If he decides to go more narrow in a 3-4-1-2, Mendy, Kunde, Silva, Kulobali, same four, James, Kovacic, Rice, Chilwell, Mount as the 10, Kai, and Lukaku. But I think this season has proven that even though that we play a back three, it still leaks in goals. So I'm saying, fuck it. Let's go get goals. And I think it's time for a back four. Whether that's a 4-3-3 or the 4-2-3-1, three, three, 
that's for us to decide. And I'm going in a back four that primarily starts Mendy and goal. Reese James, Kunde on the right, Koulibaly on the left for center backs, Chilwell, Rice as your holding midfielder, Kovacic and Mount as your eights, Dembele on the right, Kai Havertz as your striker, and Pulisic on the left. First and foremost, the reason why I want to go to a back four, and again, the midfield can also be a midfield two and then Mount as the 10, or even Kai, and then you let Lukaku play as a striker. You have flexibility there. The main reason I am going to the back four is two things. Number one, we are building a team that wants to compete in every front and play 60 matches a season. That's the average number that teams like City and Liverpool, and we even had a higher number this year. I think it's closer to 68, are trying to play, and we're going into a World Cup year. I think the reason that Chilwell and Reese James went down is because the wingback system puts far too much pressure on those guys' bodies, and there is zero chance players like that can finish a whole season when they play at a level like Reese James and Chilwell. I think the system, while it defensively helped us, is also our kryptonite, and it is impossible to maintain that level of intensity and play across a full year. We are They're human. They're not robots. I don't see a year of Reese James and Chilwell playing most of the big matches ever again if we stick to a wingback system. Too much pressure on two guys. I don't yeah. care who the backups are. I think yeah. it's, it's hard. And I think Liverpool and City have shown that your fullbacks can still have a very big role in your offense. I think that getting someone like Declan Rice allows you to do that. But if I'm trying to put out my best 11 for over 80% of a year, I think you have to go with a back four. I think that 60 matches, like I said, that's going to be our average moving forward. We're a team that's going to be deep in every single cup, and we're going to be a team that wants to compete through 38 matches. That's one thing. And then number two, it allows other players to be relied upon on offense. The moment we lost Chilwell, this team lost everything because without two top-level wingbacks, the system didn't work. And it never worked the same, no matter what you want to talk about, no matter what performance. The Norwich games, fuck off, it's Norwich. And we just never dominated the way we dominated in the fall. And I refuse to believe that a system or a team should depend on two players for a whole season. I, yeah. I don't believe that that's the way to move forward. I think sustainability... 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 gives players the ability to play more. And with the squad that I've built, it lets us have similar profiles in every single position so that when Reese James needs a break or when Bali needs a break, you have a ready-made replacement who can come in, do the job in a very uh, similar stylistic way. I think... The cover speaks for itself. We have Chalaba and Colwell for the center backs. Obviously, Thiago Silva is in there too. Perisic can jump in at either fullback. Ampadu, we've seen him before in the Prem. We know he's physical enough to play at DM. Gallagher has proven that in a three-man midfield, he is a monster. And I think that he'll start his cover and potentially knock out one of Mount or Kovacic as a starter, as an eight. 
Ziyech, and here's the other big one, the wingers. All of our wingers are better when they receive the ball facing the goal they're attacking. In a 3-4-3, more often than not, players like Pulisic, Ziyech, will throw in Mountain there, receive the ball with the back to goal, and that is not their strength. I believe that both Ziyech and Cho operate way better when they can be isolated wide, receiving the ball to feet, and attacking fullbacks. Cho in a more direct way dribbling, Ziyech in a more of a playmaking way. Pulisic is way more dangerous when he's dribbling towards goal rather than having to zigzag his way backwards before he gets to go forwards. And Dembele, again, why would you bring in a player like Dembele if you're going to play him with his back to goal? And um, finally, whether you go with Kai or Lukaku, there is proof that a false nine works not only in the Premier League, but in the Champions League. If it's Kai Havertz, he will be able to switch with either winger. He has proven that he can play at striker at in the Premier League. And again, if we're trying to compete with the big boys, Mane is now a striker for Liverpool. City played a full season without a striker, and they're about to win themselves a league unless they have a crazy choke. You can argue Benzema is a true nine, but Benzema is a playmaker as much as he is a scorer at Real Madrid, and they're in the Champions League final. Strikers today are not just poachers. Do they exist? Yes. But I believe that you need a much more complete player up front. And and that's why I think in this system, you're not going to heavily rely on on the positioning of Reese James and Chilwell because you have players in a position where they are succeeding just based on how they line up on the pitch and what you're asking them to do. Our wingers can be more direct. Our fullbacks can still overlap and become dangerous in the final third. Mount can drift late into the box, which is how he scores most of his goals in at Chelsea. Kovacic gets to play in more box-to-box with cover, which he hasn't had much of recently. And at the end of the day, our back line feels like they're protected when you have someone like Declan Rice at the end. 4-3-3-4-2-3-1. Pick your poison. Each position has a high-level backup in this system. Kai goes down, you have Lukaku. Mount needs a break, slide Kai back to the 10. 4-2-3-1. Pulisic needs a break. Dem- uh, Cho is ready to go. Dembele needs a break. Ziyech is ready to go. Let's just say Ziyech picks up form. Great. Start Ziyech. The moment he's not in form, Dembele is back in. This is how you be- build an identity. You build a team that in every position has guys of similar profiles, that the moment one guy comes down, the next guy's ready to go and nothing changes in terms of what you put out on the pitch. And that's why I think a back four needs to be the way to go moving forward. All right. Um, I like it. I think I like your your, your overall look just in general. I think the 4-3-3 is a, a good shape for us, something that we probably will see next season. My only concern is... The team does look a little top-heavy in terms of the wing position. I mentioned Pulisic, Ziyech, Dembele, Cho. Um, the only way that I think we could get any of those guys playing time is if we play a 4-3-3. 
if we decide to go to that th three four one two, we're going to start maybe getting some issues with Ziesh and players that can't really play as a ten or as a striker. Get kind yeah. of caught in between, like Cho. Even I would kind of throw him in there too. If, but and that's why I move away from that because if we move to a three four one two, then we have to sell Pulisic. He is like he's going to want to move. He is a winger. I, no matter what, he's good at the ten. He's a winger. Cho a winger, Ziyech, a winger. So if we stick to that three narrow 3-4-1-2 or even the 3-4-3 at times, 3-4-1-2 doesn't use wingers, period. The 3-4-3 puts a ball and chain onto what they're supposed to be doing. So because I can't just hit the reset button, I think switching to the 4-3-3 allows us to put these players on the field. And then, oh, but playing time, blah, blah, blah. If Man City and Liverpool can keep four wingers happy when only two are playing, I don't see why we can't build that same sort of um, chemistry. Like, if, if again, if we build a team where CS will always play a wide right position, whether he starts or not, I think that that's going to make him feel better even if he doesn't start a game here or a game there. Mm -hmm. I think the issue is that for example, in that FA Cup final, Ziyech came in as a striker and played next to a guy he's never played it with. Him and Loftus-Cheek were the two striker partners. Yeah. Ziyech is never going to run past Matip and Konate. Like, that's just not going to happen. It was so, all a little weird. Yeah. So to me, I think that with wide wingers, like true wingers, you get the most out of the offensive players and perhaps because now we have a dm they'll start playing a little more loose because in the 343 they're not allowed to be loose yeah anything else you want to add andres hire me guys i'm ready <laughs> i have a plan <laughs> um look man even though i might not agree with everything you just said if that happens and your team gets built uh, this summer, I will be a very happy camper. Just put it that way. It definitely wouldn't be uh, a disaster like this past year was. But anyways, um, if you guys are still listening, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Blues on Parade. Um, again, this is the second episode of our special pod series that we're going to be dropping. Um, so make sure you look out for the first one, which uh, I gave my take on. Um, and sat in Andres' seat as a technical director. And then make sure you're also looking ahead to um, the next episode that's going to drop after this, which is the uh, the episode where Sam will be sitting in a technical director's seat and giving his take as to uh, how the hell he wants to set up next season. So, um, again, make sure you're following us on Twitter and make sure you're also looking out for those additional episodes. And um, we're going to be spamming them a little bit. So, uh, you know, make sure you guys give them a listen. Until next pod, keep the blue flag flying high.